You are listening to the Painted Goddess podcast with Jennifer Hershu. This is episode number 74. Hello, witches. It's Wednesday, October 14th. As I record this, it's October 13th. And let me tell you, Mercury has stationed retrograde. So we are in the moment that we've all been waiting for. Can you feel it? Now, let me tell you that there's this whole constellation happening. We've got every corner of the cardinal energy activated this last week. And coming into this week, we're looking at oppositions. Mercury retrograde in Scorpio at 11 degrees is pretty much opposite the sun in Libra. And it's taking its time this week as the moon ends up conjoining conjunction to the sun There is definitely stuff happening. So in Libra, the sun and the moon will conjunct for the new moon um, in Libra on Friday, the 16th. And that is going to place the moon in a square, a cardinal square, as well as the sun in a cardinal square to both Saturn and Pluto. Now, if you've been paying attention to the sky, you'll know that this is a pretty intense stellium going on in Capricorn where Pluto and Saturn and Jupiter are. And these squares are just (laughs) pressuring us. We're seeing this challenge come through everything we do. We must push through. And, you know, Mars is retrograding in Aries, which already feels like walking through sludge um, with your armor on, by the way. Um, but Mars is Mars retrograding in Aries is also square to Jupiter and Pluto. So Jupiter is closer to Pluto than Jupiter and Saturn are together, right? So Pluto is kind of the ma- the the like unifying square uh, planet in Capricorn to both the Sun, the Moon, and then now this Mars retrograde as well, which is kind of a long-standing square. Okay, Mars retrograde has been square to Jupiter and Pluto for since the 11th since Sunday. So and will continue to be square to Pluto until um, the 18th, which is Sunday. And then on the 19th through gosh, From the 19th through the 26th of October, Mars will still be square Jupiter in Capricorn. So again, the square aspect, it creates challenges. It's kind of saying that we have to turn this corner in order to move through that energy. And so when a square is, you know, a couple weeks long, 
we are doing this over and over again. We're waking up each day feeling like, gosh, here's this obstacle still. I have to turn this corner again. It reminds me of the story where you go walking in the street and you all of a sudden you just fall in this hole and it takes you three days to get out of that hole. And then the next, you know, time you're walking down the street, you see the hole, but you fall in it anyways. And instead of three days, it maybe takes you a day and a half to get out of the hole. Okay. The next time you're walking down the street, you see the hole, you still find the limb, but it only takes you a couple hours to get out of the hole. And like by the end of, you know, a couple, like a whole cycle of learning of those challenges and, and, and really exercising that way of being right getting over that obstacle maybe like building a new habit maybe it's creating new communication habits okay especially with mercury retrograde we are creating new communication habits so notice how you listen notice how you show up in the conversation notice what you're assuming others are believing notice if you're actually listening to what they're believing or if you're supplanting or projecting right this is very, very Mercury retrograde in Scorpio, by the way, which is, again, happening right now. And again, so maybe that last time you walk down that you see the hole and you can actually walk around it because you've learned enough. So this is what this whole constellating, you know, cosmic weather is kind of teaching us this fall. And um, I hope you're here for it because we can't really avoid the tough ways we're going to have to figure out new traditions within this time of pandemic, what does it mean to gather? What does it mean to keep each other safe? What does it mean to create um, memories during a time which is pretty challenging? Now, for those of you who are healthy and are feeling good, feeling connected to your community, I mean, I have to say within my community, we have been very safe in public. We've worn masks. We've done our due diligence to keep um, outside, um, you know, influences. So in smaller, um, groups amongst people that I've seen throughout the pandemic, we feel pretty safe, right? But we're looking at our new year's theme, you know, thing that we normally do with a bunch of people. And I'm thinking, well, that just blows all this kind of, you know, closer, smaller groups out of the water. Like that's not going to happen this year. So what will we do to make it special, right? That's one of the challenges. And how can we decide ahead of time that it's not going to ruin anything, okay? If you have these thoughts that, man, this is ruining it, you're never going to get out of that until you decide that nothing can ruin. Nothing can ruin what um, you bring to the table, which is, okay, you need to remember that we are constantly having to adjust and the world and the earth is teaching us, right? We look outside this morning, I woke up and it was thunder and lightning and all sorts of shit storms. And, you know, someone said earlier, um, you know, it looked like the, the clouds between, you know, before a tornado and now the, the wind has moved it through. There's beautiful blue skies outside and I bet I'll be able to get into my garden today. And this is Libra season, by the way. It brings wind. It's cardinal wind. It begins to blow the really tough leaves off of the trees because sometimes you need that push to let the dead things go. And that's really what we're talking about today. 
Although we're doing it in a very gentle way, we're going to talk about death, rebirth, all the things that you need to recognize when we're moving through a Mercury retrograde in Scorpio slash Libra and having this new moon in Libra. And then we're going to quickly usher ourselves into Scorpio season just next week. Next week is Scorpio season, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thursday, the 22nd, the sun moves into Scorpio at a void of course moon and we're going to be in a whole new time and we're turning towards the dark times of the year in the U.S. and in um, the northern hemisphere. In the southern hemisphere you're going to really start seeing all of the flowers bursting through and we're going to need that to show up on our Instagram feed folks. So I'm telling you south uh, Southern Hemisphere people, please share your spring with us. <laughs> Show us that things are still being born right now while so much of our world up here is going to start sh dying and shedding. Um, it's all of its spent stuff, right? We're moving towards that last harvest, Samhain, the witch's new year on the 31st and 1st um, of this month and next month, right? So so much going on. All right. So now we've kind of framed what we're going to talk about in this podcast. I hope that you stick around. I hope that you gain something from it. And I hope that you um, are feeling the winds of change. Um, I also, of course, you know, within my astrological study, of course, I'm, I'm just always a student. Um, but I also teach. And in the Astrologic Lab this month, I'm going to be dropping the Scorpio content and Pluto content a little early. When I first opened the lab, it was based on the moon schedule and I had decided that this was what I wanted to do, which is so funny because the first thing I ask people to do is draw their natal chart and draw up their solar harvest cycle. Now, a solar harvest cycle is really the work of the Book of Houses, and this work outlines the way that the sun moves through your natal chart is specific to you and your house system for the placidus chart that you have. Now, if you don't know what a natal chart is, it's based on your birth date, time, and place, and you can draw it up on any free service online. I'm sure if you're here, you know what the fuck that is, so I'm not going to go super into it. But basically, when you draw up a placidus chart specifically... Um, and whole houses work this way too, but you're going to get different degrees, really. Placidus charts have varying house structures, right? So you'll have one house that's maybe 14 degrees. You'll have another house that's 37 degrees. And they kind of run the gamut in some way of their length in degrees, okay? So... For instance, my rising sign, my first house begins, okay, on your rising sign always, okay? Your first house begins at a certain degree. Mine happens at 27 degrees Gemini. So that is the day of my, like, of my resurrection day, okay? So when the sun is at 27 degrees Gemini, we recognize within the astrologic lab, that's my resurrection day from my solar harvest season, okay? So... And then we go through every, there's a threshold to every house. As the sun moves into a different house, we kind of notice the shift in the energy and the harvest cycle. We start to understand how we're being moved through our growth cycles, okay? Because the solar harvest cycle is just that. It's just like any other plant. 
we're experiencing cosmic weather through our chart. <laughs> and let me tell you that the feedback from the members in the lab have been nothing short of just phenomenal. And I'm just really excited to be doing this work and to be creating support for people doing this work. And when I first opened the lab, I thought, you know, I just give the stuff to people. They can do it on their own. But I really, really always, as a Gemini rising, <clears throat> I always really want community. I want there to be connections. I want there to be connecting dots. And I know for myself that by reading charts for others, doing readings, you know, I do readings myself as well, that when I see tons of charts, I recognize so many different patterns, so many different ways this energy is coming through because of where it's hitting somebody's chart, right? For instance, the new moon in Libra or the Mercury retrograde or the Mars retrograde that's all happening right now is happening in, in, happening in a specific place in your chart. It might be in your first house. It might be in your sixth house. It might be in any one of your houses. There's 12 of them, just like the signs. There's 12 signs. So this may be happening at any part of your chart, and this is specifically tuned to the issues, the problems, the challenges, the joys, the growth, the gains that you will receive coming through that space and time. And it also helps, especially now, especially as there's so much change, to root ourselves or to focus ourselves or to give ourselves to the natural kind of cycle that we're in so that we're not chasing the seasons, right? We're not chasing things that aren't up for us right now. So that all being said, that's the basic dynamic of the work in the Astral Lab. That's the core modules, as I call them. So when you get into the lab, you go in and you draw your natal chart. I have a little video about that that shows you how to kind of reduce down some of the settings in your chart so that you can kind of focus on what's important for now. And then also to see where your houses are. And then I have a, another short video where it shows you how to use an ephemeris and draw up, chart your uh, solar harvest cycle. Now, I do recommend absolutely to get the book of houses so that you can kind of follow along the book of houses with your solar harvest cycle as you go through it have your own revelations, right? During your own research, not not just relying on me to provide everything for you, right? I mean, the internet's full of good information about associations with the houses and the signs and the planets. But what I wanted to do was really just hold space. And so I thought, I'll just hold space. Well, then I wanted to teach classes. And then I was like, well, I always wanted to drop the content on the full moon. Now, part of that was my my lunar training my lunar alignment it's like full moons are about releasing and putting things out there and being at that fullest point right <clears throat> but now five months in I feel this shift where I want to put the content out when the sun moves into that sign so the first month that I will do that will be in Scorpio I'm going to put the Scorpio and Pluto, which is Scorpio's ruler, that content will release on the 22nd, which is just next week. So if you're in the lab already and you've just gotten the Libra content printed and the Venus content printed and you haven't done that yet, I highly recommend that you get that stuff done if you intend to do it. Now, that all being said, and I've had people come to me and say, oh, is it okay to start right now? I feel like I'm so behind. Like, look, 
you are not quote unquote behind, even if you're in the lab and you haven't done one single thing except for come to the classes. Okay, there is value in all aspects of the lab and it is completely a choose your own adventure. So while there are resources that are dropped every month, and new tools to kind of tune into pieces of your chart. If you decide that all you want to do is your solar harvest chart and simply focus on that, it is super amazing. Really valuable information. And I hold space for you to continually come back to the work, right? Being part of a membership it's one of those where yeah, I can you can you can go out and get the book of houses on your own. And if you are of the mind to do so, can do this work on your own for the most part. But the lab is a place where there's community, there's people kind of connecting with each other. And it's been kind of this beautiful blossoming thing, which is more than I could have ever dreamed of, honestly, it makes me a little bit of a clumped. But I, I really just love coming together as astrology nerds and and looking at the ways that this information is coming through specifically for us and then kind of playing off of that, riffing off of that with others. And so while it was just going to be information, <clears throat> I've pretty much been teaching at least two classes a month, sometimes three. And, um, you know, I just love teaching astrology. I love putting together, I put slides together for each of the classes Today, we're going to do a Mercury retrograde class, which by the time this is published, it will have been yesterday, so you missed it, but unless you were there, because you're in the lab, but um, loving the thought of getting together for Mercury retrograde and doing a bit of intention setting around how this is going to come through and try to, trying to really create mottos, um, goals, or thought-provoking kind of self-inquiries for this time based on your transit and where it is in your chart. So all that being said, come to the lab, get in the lab. I can't tell you how much I've heard from others that as soon as they're in the lab and start using the tools that it just kind of opens up a world for them. Now, it's not for everyone. I will say that too. It's definitely a lot. And some people I think feel as though if they don't do everything, they're not getting the whole picture. And again, I really just don't think that's true. So if you only want to devote 10 minutes to it a week and spend a little time just thinking about where the moon's in at, you know, where your um, your solar harvest cycle is and just thinking about, oh, how can I redirect my attention towards that part of my life right now? I mean, I think that it's super valuable. And again, the classes are super great. And now they're all in, in video archives. So I'm building, excuse me, I'm building a whole new video archive because it's Mercury retrograde and why not fuck with all the technology when it's super volatile? <laughs> um, it's okay. Right now, Mercury retrograde is not happening in that part of my chart where I think I should be super worried about technological issues. It's actually happening um, in my fifth house. So <clears throat> this is really about, the fifth house is really about exposure um, uh, creative growth. And so I want to really creatively grow 
the way that the lab is expressing itself so that it becomes more accessible to people. So I'm reorganizing a little bit of the lab content, putting the videos and the slides in another aspect of the lab making its own video archive page, which I started out doing, but it didn't work quite right. Um, that was when the, when Retrograde was in cancer, which is hilarious because that's in my second house. So putting, yeah, anyways, it was a little, it was a little more um, instability working um, with that energy for me personally. So again, Super excited that this is what I'm kind of moving towards. And I'm thinking that this classroom, this laboratory of astrology will be a place where you, if you choose to come, can be really um, an exploration for you. So there's classes about basic astrological flow on seasons and the zodiac, how they have energies that kind of feed each other. Um, there's a lunar nodes class, which was really amazing. One of the lab members actually researched it and put it together. Um, <clears throat> there's um, a Mercury retrograde class that we're going to be putting up soon, of course, because I'm doing that today. So and it's growing. So there's I mean, there's classes on um, Virgo season. There's classes on uh, Mercury. There's classes on um, some other planets right now. I can't, it's escaped me, but it's just a growing library of videos, <clears throat> classes you can take. Um, and they're about an hour and then they have Q and A. So people asking about questions of their own charts, how to read certain things, super full, full of information. All right. So there's my shameless business, which plug to come and check out the work that I'm creating in this world. Um, and uh, I'm super excited to do it. If you want to, <clears throat> if you're in the lab and you want to, say, gift a friend of yours um, a trial membership or something, let me know. Um, I think um, something like a three-month pass would be a really beautiful way to um, give for this season. And if you're in the lab already, I'll give you a discount on there. All right. On the other side of this, we're going to talk about shedding to regrow. We're going to talk about death and Scorpio. And we're going to talk about how you can make it through this retrograde season without losing your mind. Hopefully. All right. Back in a sec. Oh, welcome back, witches. All right. So we're really talking today about Mercury retrograde themes. I really wanted to pull in 2019 as well as 2020, because while this year has punctuated itself with all sorts of calamity and political rhetoric and mayhem, um, as well as social justice and racism and confronting really deep, dark shadows that have existed in our culture, especially in the U.S., but all around the world for a very long time. We're looking at colonization. We're looking at um, the ways in which authority, power over the patriarchy has really uh, limited the movement of certain kinds of peoples based on whatever resource that that dominant culture wanted to extract out of one community and then 
solidify it into another. And this is really interesting, I think, because Mercury retrograde in Scorpio slash Libra, right? It's going to start at 11 degrees Scorpio and go back to 25 degrees Libra. That's the uh, Mercury retrograde transit this year, <clears throat> 2020, begins on October 13th and goes through, will station direct on November 3rd, which of course in the U.S. is election day. So, you know, when Mercury stations direct, oftentimes it can be like a launching pad and start to really quickly move forward. When it's happening in Libra and there's already decisions being made, I imagine that this post-shadow will look a lot like the pre-shadow phase did. A lot of confusion and seeding unrest and distrust, right, in the system. That's what's been really looking, you know... Um, just uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg passed away in this pre-shadow. And we're seeing the ways in which justice feels like it's being rehauled in an unfair way, right? I feel this is my perspective, maybe, <sighs> maybe, maybe because I'm just spouting it. It is my perspective. Everything on this podcast is my perspective. Take it or leave it. That's how I roll. So here you are. Here I am. But when we go about moving back into Scorpio, you know, when Mercury goes forward and it's quite a few days before Mercury heads back into Scorpio, we will feel that shift probably more intensely than we're going to feel the shift from Mercury stationing direct. That's my um, prediction. That's my thoughts because of the shift in that energy. The sun's going to be amplifying it at that point. And we're actually going to have a sun and Mercury conjunction on the 22nd of October when the, when the sun is moving into, oh, I'm sorry. The sun is conjunct Mercury retrograde on the 20th, actually. So right before Okay, so it's going to conjunct in Libra and then move into both of them will kind of move into um, that's not true. Mercury will still be in retrograde. So it's moving backwards. Let me get my I, I wrote my notes down and then I'm like getting my bearing through it. This is how well planned this podcast is sometimes. So sun will conjunct Mercury retrograde. On the 20th of October, and this will be in the sign of Libra because Mercury is still moving backwards. OK, now I and we know that the sun, the sun is ingressing into Scorpio on the 22nd. So it's not quite this is going to be at 28 or 29 degrees Libra, I imagine. And this conjunction is going to be a really busy time to connect with others. It's going to be a planning time. It's going to be a time where you're kind of like creating new plans and getting everything kind of lots of appointments, lots of things to do with um, shared resources, right? When we think about the scorpionic energy, even though we're, you know, and Libra, Libra is the is the seventh house, okay? Libra is that house of relationships. It's ruled by Venus. Libra's energy is always fair, negotiated, contractual, committed relationships, okay? It's talking about knowing what the expectation is, you know, mitigating the response and fairly doling out whatever resource happens. Now, Scorpio seeks to always adjust and negotiate those contracts with emotion, right? So there's, there's a sense of, you know, 
how do how do I really solidify my stake, my you know my stake in this claim? What does it look like for me to share resources with others and have intimacy and trust in those relationships? Right. So the the seventh house, the Libra energy, you know, Mercury running through. Um, uh, retrograding back through Libra and meeting up with the sun while the sun's on its way into Scorpio. It's like Mercury saying, Hey, Hey, how's it going? I was just, just in Scorpio and you know, there's shadow work going on. We're kind of really working on, um, speaking our truth with confidence and like deep emotional intelligence, not really hiding from the shadows. It's a dark place, right? <laughs> <laughs> we've got Mars retrograding through Aries, which is like kind of activating our inner warrior. Chiron is there retrograding through Aries as well, trying to heal the wounds of the warrior so it can keep fighting for what it believes is true and right. And that's showing up differently for everyone, by the way. If you want to look at political shit, you can see that if you're on one side of the spectrum or the other and you're just flailing, Everything's starting to look the same. And I'm not one to say like, this is the same as that. These are all very different constellations, I think. But one of the ways that we respond to um, the, the disturbance in the force, if you will, is to insist upon our own reality with more and more and more tenacity, right? We hold on to what keeps us comfortable. And this is why it's been so damaging to have so much taken away, quote unquote, in regards to external, um, you know, uh, normality, all the ways that, you know, Pluto and Jupiter and Saturn have been fucking up through their uh, retrogrades uh, and conjunctions and all that stuff that they're doing in Capricorn. So it's trimming away all the fat, it's trimming away all of the extra, although I would say what's interesting within this is that there's been a saturation and a doubling down on certain aspects of our society, like online ordering, you know, having more delivery people on the road, perhaps, than people who are going somewhere to do something for themselves, okay? People are staying more within their community, their even kind of potifying themselves with their quarantines, right? Have you been quarantining with people? I have. I kind of have this list of people that I've seen on a pretty regular basis and I trust because of the conversations we had at the onset that they're doing their best to quarantine within their own pod. So we don't have a lot of, you know, random uh, energy slash, you know, illness kind of coming in from another way. Of course, these things are shifting. We're finding out more. And it's it's definitely going to get crazier based on if you just look at the astrology because of all of the um, retrogrades kind of coming to a head. And then we have the Jupiter-Saturn conjunction, which I've talked about a million times. But what I really want to say, this at this point in the year... What does it mean to really embrace the Scorpio season? Now, Scorpio is represented by the death card in tarot, in the tarot. I never say tarot. In tarot. Um, and the tarot deck is based on, you know, the, the major arcana in the tarot deck is really based on a spiritual karmic path. 
right? And death comes before the tower. Okay, now don't mistake me for saying that the death card is the same as the tower. Quite contraire, right? Death is a surrendering. When people get all freaked out because they get the death card, it's like, oh shit, does that mean I'm going to die? It's like, no, 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 no. It means you're being invited. <laughs> you're being invited to die. It's a little different. You get to choose in a lot of ways. Um, of course, if you don't die enough, then the tower comes next, right? And what does that fucking mean? Well, that means it's just like any of the trees that you see outside right now with the wind blowing. If, if those leaves haven't died yet, okay, they're not ready for this wind to take the leaves down. It, you know, the wind gets stronger and stronger and stronger. And at some point, you know, if, if enough of the leaves don't come down, um, before winter time, then there will often be, um, if you, if, you know, I've had this happen in my yard where the, the branches will freeze and break off, you know, because there's too much sap in them or whatever. But it's like there's, you know, it's waiting for certain things to die. And death, the death card is an invitation. And so is Scorpio season. Scorpio season is asking you to bring out your dead. It's very Monty Python, I know. Bring out your dead. And and so it it really has this kind of regenerative vibe to it, right? The eighth house, which is where Scorpio normally lives in the astrological wheel, it may not be in your eighth house. It probably isn't. Like I said, it's in my sixth house. This is where we surrender to death. This is where we surrender to the process. And when I think about my own natal chart being in the fifth house, this creative growth house, like I have always been a person who surrenders to the creative process. And when I was painting a lot, I used to oil paint pretty much constantly, right? And just smoke weed and oil paint. If you lived with me in my, um, in my early twenties, that's what I was doing. Um, but, uh, so, so the, you know, surrendering, like something that is almost beautiful, but you know, it could be better, right. Is, is very much artists work. Artists are constantly painting over and over and over and reworking and re creating and, and letting the old parts die until it's reformed into reshaped into something that you uniquely feel is beautiful. And I emphasize the word unique, you know, the eighth house is not unlike, um, the, the 11th house in some ways where the eighth house really wants to, to create this, this kind of perspective on life that does not fear, the dead. It does not fear that which is dying. It wants to believe in the regeneration that comes after death, but it also wants to just revel in that surrendering. And so if that feels uncomfortable to you and you find yourself in a hard place during this time of year, now again, you know, a lot of people die during this time of year. It is literally the time of many people, pets, as well as plants, surrender to transition into the other side, right? So this may be a very literal time when you feel and experience grief and loss. And by allowing yourself to embrace some of the teachings that, that, that come from 
you know, death and decay becoming, you know, this release and composting and, and that, that all serves purpose, you know, to a greater good. Now I'm, you know, and I'm not, I'm not one of those particular, I do believe that everything happens for a reason to some degree, even if the reason is just to fucking keep you on your toes and remind you that you're not really in control of anything. Um, hashtag 2020, but like we are being worked by this astrology that's happening right now. And there's, I feels very unmistakable that there's these transits, you know, again, 2019, we also had retrogrades in water signs. And if you go back and listen to the cancer retrograde episode that I did in 2019, you will find me talking a lot about the inner child healing and reparenting, remothering. We've been nursing these wounds for quite some time, the wounds of Um, Not really seeing eye to eye, not really understanding that which feels unknowable or unrealistic or unbelievable, right? And we don't trust what other people tell us about their own experience because why? Because we lie about our own experiences all the time, right? Everything's fine. It's great. I'm feeling really okay. Um, I feel great today. I'm going to show up for work. I'm not sick. I'm, you know, and... (laughs) And, you know, 2020 is kind of calling bullshit. Like we are, you know, and it, and it reminds me of that saying, it's like, you know, to be healthy in a sick society is no measure of success. You know, we really have talked ourselves into being okay with the daily grind rat race kind of, you know, um, busy as a disease kind of thing. And we haven't taken into consideration within society how humans actually thrive. I think that there has been many people who have tried and there's tons of books on on this kind of uh, subject, of course. But what does it look like to actually create that reality, that shared reality? And again, sharing is really important in the eighth house. It is the house of shared resources, of debt and inheritance. And when we inherit something in the world of nature, we inherit it from our ancestors, right? The Clean Water Act that was enacted early 60s, the way that we've reduced the carbon emissions of vehicles, The way we've invested in certain infrastructures, roads, by the way, if if someone had decided that roads and rails and planes were not a good idea, there would be very little ability for Amazon to have brought me anything this week. And yes, I'm still buying from Amazon because as far as I'm concerned, it should be a public utility. So when we look at the old ways that can be shed, what are those old ways? I think part of them are these huge skyscraper business buildings that are full of cubicles where everybody is, you know, (laughs) pretending like they want to fucking go there and talk at the water cooler. When really, many people are enjoying working from home to some degree with maybe some adjustments, if we were to do this 
um, on purpose, maybe it would look like something of these models where they had co-working spaces and, and different kinds of creative spaces. But ultimately, those huge high-rises where you entertain clients in order to impress them with how big your fucking office is, it's kind of an outdated thing. And maybe I'm attaching myself to that because I think corporate America needs a real overhaul. It needs a real attitude adjustment. It needs to be reallocated through... Um, the public good, <laughs> you know, and there's a lot of ways in which our society is, is dying and being reborn. And so when you look at your own life and what you're contributing to, you know, Scorpio, Mercury retrograde and Scorpio, both last year and this year during the fall, okay, last year's, um, retrograde and Scorpio happened, um, in October as well. I don't have the exact dates, but that's okay. So that time of year was, you know, the same, you know, Mercury tra travels very close to the sun. Okay. And this is why, you know, when the sun was in cancer, we had the Mercury retrograding cancer, at least for part of it. Right. And when the sun was in Pisces, we had that Mercury retrograde in Pisces earlier this year and last year. So, you know, the Mercury's tra traveling really close to the sun. And this is why I think a lot of ways that the, the masculine kind of dominant productive paradigm goes with communication and how we create language. It's so masculine. And what's Venus doing right now? Well, Venus is, um, is actually making a transit through Virgo and ingresses into Libra soon. And I'm going to find that date. So when I look at astrology, I always think, well, what's the, what's the other parts of this? What are, what else is going on? So while, while, you know, cause Scorpio, you know, it's a death, it's rebirth and it's a feminine sign. It's a water sign. It's a fixed water sign. And what is fixed water, but deep, deep, dark waters. And what lives deep, deep, dark in that ocean? Well, we don't even fucking know. We have... <laughs> very little idea they just found my husband was showing me a picture they just found like this really weird looking you know i mean they're always finding weird looking things that live at the deep deep bottom of the sea you know monsters that we would call them maybe venus is helps if you look at the right yeah, Venus will move into Libra on the 28th of October. Right as Mercury is retrograding back into it. That's right. So what's happening is, you know, Mercury is moving towards Venus, right? Because it's coming back from Scorpio and Venus is coming from um, Libra or I mean um, Virgo, right? So, so Venus was just dressed up in her perfect negotiating power suit, you know, just being a badass, loving herself, super full of self-care, you know, kind of loving the rest of summer, deciding that she was worth it all, right? And she starts to move towards Mercury and maybe they can see each other from across the room that Libra built. And <laughs> Mercury's, Mercury's coming back from Scorpio like, oh, fuck, it's... 
It's really dark there and it's full of pain and it's full of trauma. And I'm coming back into Libra right now to take a little bit of a, a bio break to kind of remember my stability, to remember my balance, to be able to harmonize. And, Le and, and Venus entering Libra on that other side, just really sweetening that space and reminding us how much we must love and care for our cycles, for our ability to show up. And this deep sense of feminine wisdom that we can't always show up in the same way every day. We're different. We're different. And every time you res like require someone in your life that you love to show up the same way every day, you're doing them and yourself a disservice, in my opinion. And Scorpio medicine is absolutely focused on the fact that that which dies always re is reborn and oftentimes it's in another form right scorpions you know they have this exoskeleton that that grows and and i know i've spent the summer taking care of my daughter's praying mantis crawly bolly bean <laughs> it's his name or her name, we don't, we have no idea. And, you know, she, they molted for weeks, getting bigger every single time they molted. And I thought it was incredible how that happened because they'd hang upside down, they kind of get crusted over. And then as they pushed themselves out, they were larger in that instant. And the uncomfortability of being in a tight, tight skin, you know, this is what Scorpio uh, represent, you know, snakes are also symbols of Scorpio. And that, you know, you know, the skin that um, a snake loses as it gets bigger has to be scratched off, you know, it's rubbing up against it goes for miles rubs up against rocks and jagged edges. And so there's definitely a need for us to outgrow our skin. And it's not as if we just kind of bring, you know, sometimes we have to scratch that shit off. Sometimes we have to get new skin. And I'm hoping that we can kind of let that silver lining come in of we have this, you know, bright new way of perspective of looking at things We've been, you know, sharing so much information on social media, all of us. We've been sharing our lives with each other for 10 years now, maybe, you know, 15 years now <clears throat> in a very intimate way. And now all of a sudden we're only using that to shit on each other on social media and make shitty comments, the comment section, you know, and can we turn this around? Can we create collective care? Can we do that? I feel like Mercury Retrograde really wants us to ask ourselves overall, what role am I playing in this shared collective that can create trust or mistrust? And how do we become agents of, of you know, creating intimate and trustworthy relationships. 
How does that happen? What does that look like? The year that the United States signed the Declaration of Independence in 1776, it has Mercury in retrograde in its in, in Cancer in its natal chart. The United States is Cancer, Sun. And it's definitely been a year for us. We're moving towards a Pluto return in a few years. And it's not easy to regenerate ourselves, to rebirth ourselves, to be self, uh, self curious enough, self critical enough, self conscious enough to break through to that other side. We have to first heal the wounds of our ego, which is what Chiron retrograde in Aries is attempting to do, which, by the way, was also in the U.S. chart when it was born. So we're having another Chiron return. So while Pluto returns maybe, you know, every 184 years or whatever it is, um, Chiron returns every 50 or so. So we've had some Chiron returns. The last Chiron return we had was the Civil Rights Movement. 1968. So we've been recycling this wound. The fact that we signed that Declaration of Independence under a pretense of lies. They knew they signed that with maybe the hope that one day all men would be created equal. But their minds were so small so unimaginative. They didn't even have the sense to use the word people. And we still haven't updated that language, folks. That language that we guide our Supreme Court, the Constitution, and the law. The language is old. And we deserve new language. We've been making new words that are so useful. We've been learning new words from other cultures, from immigrants, uh, cultures who've come here and been teaching us new words. So while we've been regenerating, we've also been hiding that regeneration and we've been afraid of that regeneration. And it may be hard to look at how big and scaly and how much skin is still on the snake of the U.S., but we are still moving. And I want to call in the element of water associated with Scorpio, that deep emotional wisdom, and call in the element of air, that intellectual and vision-oriented kind of clarity that our mental capacity is capable of. And call those together and really put that on the altar this week. That element of water and air. And we are the fire. You know, I was just watching Lovecraft Country last night and there was a poem 
I'll need to find it. I need to find it and, and share it. You are the fire. So when there's that element of air and water, when water becomes air, it's steam. Right? When you're the fire. Beneath the cauldron, you're the fire. We are the fire. So... <sighs> I hope that you have a beautiful week and you are powerful as fuck. So don't forget it. All right. Talk to you next week. Hey, hey, so do you want to work with me? Do you want to get to the bottom of all of this stuff? Do you want to do a reading? Do you want to get into the Astrologic Lab? Are you interested in working at a whole new level? I have some things that I have released recently, and I really want to make sure you know about them. Number one, I've opened my October books. I'm doing three three card natal chart readings. It's called my Astro Tarot Readings. I do these for 88 bucks if you're a new client. Once you are a client of mine, you always get a discount. And so the readings for return clients are 77. I give you about an hour of my time from building an altar just for you, pulling the cards, reading your chart. I send it all in a recording and some beautiful photos for you to digest and do the work. So I do my work, then you do your work. So no need to make appointments, um, sync up our schedules, anything like that. My readings are powerful and I've been told so many times that they have helped people to understand why they're going through what they're going through, support themselves during these times and to help them kind of solidify what next steps to take. I love this work. I'm so excited for it. And I, I will continue to do it even though in a lot of ways I've been focusing on the Astrologic Lab, which is another way that you can work with me. If you want to actually learn how to decode your natal chart month by month, learn astrology, learn how the sun moves through the signs, the moon moves through the signs, and how you can actually use your natal chart as a harvesting map for year after year after year, come to the lab. The Astrologic Lab is the place. I give you tools and uh, worksheets galore. And every month around the full moon time, I drop another basket of content in your lap and you get to do the work. I also lead live classes at least once a month, if not more. Um, there's been so much astrology. I've done at least two or three each month. And um, I've been doing this program since March-ish. Um, I'm sorry, May. <laughs> so it's been really awesome. We've got a lot of really awesome people in the lab who are super astrologically nerded out. Um, and they have lots to share as well. So as they start to share what they're learning or what they know and have researched on their own, we call us um, all rabbit hole investigators because we just go down the rabbit hole as much as possible then you are learning from them as well. It's a super cool collective and I highly recommend it. It's only 37 bucks a month. And so for the cost of four lattes a month, you can come and hang out with the coolest people I know. Um, all right, the other thing that I'm offering again, like 
from what I said before, I began to consider as I opened the lab one-on-one work and what that would look like. So if you're in the lab, you get a deal, 222 for three one-hour sessions. I'm calling them lunar harvest sessions. We basically take your lead, what you wanna learn, what you wanna work on, and I help create and craft a place within the cycles for you to do that work and we do some meditation we do some heart work we do some healing work during the sessions based on astrology based on meditation and based on some of the old, my you know the witchcraft that i've done to help heal myself through astrology um, even though that work is never done pro tip um, and for people who are not in the lab if you want to try this work out you will pay more you'll pay 333 for the three sessions still a great deal and you'll get access to the lab for three months while we're working together so it's a really great introduction to the lab if you intended to um, begin that work anyways started off with coaching i have one spot for that left for the end of this year and then those books will open up again in january for new clients i hope that it's you so get in touch my email is jennifer at paintedgoddess.com and or you can go to paintedgoddess.com and click on the astrological uh, learn astrology link and find out there. I'm also on Instagram the most at Painted Goddess. You can DM me if you like. Um, follow me there and all of the things.